Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I want to talk to you about burnout. (laughs) Parental burnout is a very real thing, and it's something that we have to talk about because we all go through it. And when you have a child with anxiety or OCD, I think we go through it more. And anyone actually who is dealing with more on their plate than the average parenting issues is prime for parental burnout. And I want to talk about what that is, how to figure out what things might be causing it. Maybe you can preemptively avoid it. That would be nice. I don't think it's avoidable all of the time. And then I'm going to talk to you about things that you can do when you're experiencing it or proactively what you can do to try to not experience it as often. I'm trying to pick topics that are relevant to all of us. I feel like this one is very relevant to all of us. So before we get started though, I do want to let you know and thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation even just to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. You can go to treatmyocd.com. That is treatmyocd.com. Lots of people are finally finding OCD therapists because of NoCD. So huge thank you to them for what they're doing for the OCD community and for our kids. Okay, let's talk about this parental burnout. Now, I picked this topic partly because I have been sick for the past week. And I think when you add another layer of anything in your life, so it doesn't even have to be your kids, you can start to easily get burnt out. And that's kind of what I was experiencing this past week was, you know, just, I was already not feeling well and I'm doing it by myself now. And, you know, being a widow, being sick and having three kids. And then my son was starting to have a new OCD theme that just popped up out of the blue that I talked about last episode. It was a lot and I was getting burnt out. And maybe things like that happen for you, you know, that you get burnt out or maybe you've just been running on fumes for a really long time. So let's talk about why it's happening. I want to go through like the many different reasons. It's not all inclusive, but I'm just going to go through different areas in our world that can actually be adding to our parental burnout. And then I'm going to talk to you about what to do about that and specifically related to anxiety or OCD, because that's what we talk about in here. Before I dive into this, I do want to say that I am in the middle of doing a free series around this topic. I actually didn't think about that until after I picked this topic, but I think sometimes subconsciously I'm doing things that are just making sense even without my brain working. So I do two free series a year, actually do each one of those series twice a year. So I do, oh my gosh, I do four series a year for free to give back. And one is on self-care and one is on survival tools to help your kids. And I just got through doing the survival tools one a couple of months ago. This one is all about self-care and it's about not, you know, how to get massages and how to like, you know, love yourself. Although I think those are actually really important. 
but it is about the things I'm going to be discussing today in this episode. It's about our perceptions, our triggers, the people around us, the things that we really don't think about as self-care. And in that series, I talk about how to help yourself and I walk you through it. And it's kind of more of like an experiential series where you, you know, work through it as we do it. There's three videos that you can watch on demand. But then I also have like a pop-up Facebook group that's temporary where we can all talk about it. And I do live classes on each video where I dive deeper. I make it fun. We have like Amazon gift cards that I give away. And so I invite you to join us. It is already going on, but it's one of those things that you can join at any time and catch up. Each video is 30 minutes and you can watch it on your own time. But you can join the Facebook group and like be part of that too and get to know me better because I'm in there and I'm doing those live classes. So if you want to join that, you can go to atparentingsurvivalseries.com. That's atparentingsurvivalseries.com. And you know, join us. I'll see you over there. It's a free series. It's like, why not? Like focus on yourself, focus on your what's causing the stress in your life. And maybe you'll have more clarity when we go through this episode. Okay. So let's start with why is this happening? You may not even know that it's happening. So maybe I need to take a step back and say, how do you know this is happening? And for me, and it might be different for you, I know this is happening when I'm very short with my kids. I have no patience. Maybe my empathy is missing in action. I feel like I can't handle any more on my plate. Maybe I'm snapping at people. For me, and this is interesting because it's definitely probably going to be different for some of you, but some of you might be able to relate. For me, ironically, when I'm starting to get overwhelmed by clutter in my house or I'm obsessively cleaning in a way to get control, not due to any OCD issues, that's a stereotype, but with my anxiety, when I feel out of control, I start to I start to clean in a way that's not productive. I mean, it's productive because the house looks beautiful, but I want to organize things. And so I know that I'm having parental burnout when I'm starting to be annoyed by things that aren't organized and I need to like make things beautiful around my house. That's an indicator to me that I'm not doing okay. I can do those things in a way that is productive and exciting, but often when I'm doing it in a frenzied way, that's not a good sign. (laughs) So... And for us, actually, tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of my husband's sudden death. And so I have noticed this past week, now that I'm saying this out loud, talk about no like, no insight <laughs> from the therapist. That's probably also why I'm, I'm having some parental burnout this week. So not only was I sick this whole week, I'm feeling better today, although my voice doesn't maybe sound great. I don't know. I think sometimes we can hear our voice sounding different and other people can't, but my voice doesn't sound like myself today, so I apologize for that. But tomorrow's like a, you know, it's a big anniversary. So there's a lot of triggers right now for me about this time of year and all the things that we've gone through this past year. You know, so you have to look at that kind of stuff in your life too. But anyway, I have been a little bit more short. I've been more fatigued, but that is understandable. So you want to look at those changes in your life. What things are starting to overwhelm you and you're not showing up in the way that you want to show up. I guess that's the key, right? You're like, I don't, I didn't want to show up that way when she had that issue, but there I was yelling at her or dismissing it or ignoring it because I don't want to deal with it, right? Those are signs of parental burnout, especially when 
it's been going on for maybe a few days or a few weeks, then it's, it's something to look at. So I want to talk about the different things that can add to that. So I made a little list because that's what I do. And I want to go through them. Obviously, it's not all inclusive. I'm sure there's things I'm missing. But these are like the main things that I think about when I think what adds to parental burnout. So the first one are your thoughts. And you might be like, whatever. No, honestly, your thoughts drive everything else. Just like our kids, right? They're intrusive thoughts. They're anxious thoughts. They drive their behavior. Their behavior increases the anxiety and OCD and around and around it goes. We are not immune from that. Every human being has thoughts that dictate their mood, that control their behavior. It's a vicious loop. It doesn't have to be vicious. If you're cognizant and intentional about your thoughts, which means, what does that mean? That sounded like a bunch of psychobabble. I apologize. What it means is I'm not going to just let my thoughts run around my brain without me having some awareness of them. Not that I'm going to judge them or try to control them per se, because that can be, that could be a challenging in itself and that can be exhausting in itself. But I'm going to be aware of what is the story I'm telling myself? What are the dominant thoughts I'm having? Are they, oh my gosh, my child is never going to get better. Or, oh my gosh, my child is going to grow up to be just like my brother. Or, oh my gosh, my child is going to grow up to be just like my dad. Or, oh my gosh, we'll, we'll never get on top of this. We're at another theme. We just got rid of two themes and now we got another issue completely. My child's never going to be able to go to school. How are they ever going to be able to function in life? They're going to be living with me forever. Are some of these thoughts hitting you? And they're going to be different for each person. But what are you telling yourself? And we want to be aware of that because that can add to parental burnout. Because if I'm living in the past, I shouldn't have done that. I should have detected OCD sooner. I should have, you know, gotten them into a therapist sooner. I should have got them on medication sooner. I should have realized it was panis and pan sooner. I should have, uh, whatever. I should, I should, I should, right? (laughs) We do that a lot. Okay, that's wasted energy because that's in the past. I can't control the past. I can only control the present. And we waste a lot of energy in the future. This is where most people like to live. What if blah, blah, blah? What if they don't, can't do this? What if they can't do that? What if it gets worse, not better? What if I don't do enough? What if I'm not doing enough, right? And so all of that energy is not in the now. It's not in the moment. It's not in what's happening in your house in this exact moment. It doesn't matter what you think might happen in the future. It hasn't happened yet. And you worrying about it isn't going to make it less so. And I find that a lot of times it doesn't happen. So this is an area that we actually do want to rein in, where if I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he might need to be G-tubed. This is one of my thoughts in the past. He's not going to eat and then he'll have to be on a tube. It's like recognizing that thought is happening and then saying to myself, what is happening right now? Well, right now he's eating goldfish and he isn't having to be G-tube. Now, luckily we are way, way past that point, but I could have, you know, that was a lot of wasted energy worrying about that because that never happened. And now he's like, he's doing great weight wise and all the energy that I expended on worrying about something that didn't exist yet, that hadn't happened yet is energy I couldn't get back. It's wasted energy. And I know that's easier said than done, but it is good to be 
aware of where we're expending our energy because we don't, it's a finite commodity. I don't have a lot of it. Maybe you don't either. And I definitely don't want to waste it on things that are not happening right in front of me. I've got three kids. I feel like sometimes I'm a juggler instead of a parent. You know, I'm juggling three kids with anxiety and OCD. I have an older daughter who's going off to college. I've been a widow this past year. I'm doing it by myself. I don't have any family here. And it's like, what ball is in the air? I can't worry about someone adding another ball to my juggling. I got to keep on the eye. I got to keep my eye on the ball that is actually right in front of me. And so do you. What are you juggling with right now? Don't worry if someone's going to throw you another ball and you're going to have to add the fourth or fifth ball to your juggling. It's not happening right now. You got to keep on the eye on the ball. And so that actually even though that sounds maybe abstract and philosophical and not really helpful, (laughs) it is. It really is. Because when you rein yourself back in and say, what is happening right now? Most of the time, it can clear your plate a little bit because you're only dealing with one problem. And that one problem might be, I'm trying to get my daughter to do the next step, whatever that may be. I'm trying to get her into the parking lot so she can eventually go to school. I'm trying to get my son to eat 500 more calories. I'm trying to get my daughter to touch this thing that's contaminated. It's not the core thing, but it's just this one thing. Get micro, get hyper-focused on the one goal and what is happening right now. Okay. That was a bit too much of a tangent. I have a lot more to talk about. So let me try not to be as wordy for the other things. The next is your actions. And so maybe you are over-committing yourself. You know, maybe you are you're the little league coach and you're doing the Girl Scouts and you are going to, you're like head of the church book club and you are the one that cooks dinner on Sunday for your extended family and you volunteer here and you do this. What, what's your life like? And sometimes we can't say yes to everybody and everything. So pull it back. If you're feeling that parental burnout, I know that I had to, not to talk too much about my widowhood in this episode, but it's relevant for me when it comes to parental burnout. And I am one of those people who said yes to everybody, not to all the examples that I gave because, you know, I'm a recovering socially anxious person. And I I don't say that tongue in cheek. I actually have social anxiety disorder, (laughs) but I'm also an introvert. So I didn't really, I didn't extend myself outside in public, God forbid. (laughs) But I did overextend myself online. I said yes to everybody and anything. Can you do this podcast episode? Of course. Can you help me promote my classes? Of course. Can you come and do this conference? Of course. Yes, 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 and yes. Can you review my book? Of course. Can you write this for my book? Of course. I didn't know the word no because I was a people pleaser and I'm a nice person and I want to help everybody. I want to see everyone succeed. I had all these people messaging me and emailing me for advice. And, you know, when when multiple people do that, parentally and colleagues and just all sorts of people, it can get overwhelming. And so then I had to say, I want to pull back. I need to pull back. And I have to learn the word no. And so I said no a lot. I said no a lot more than I said yes. And I was intentional. Who do I want to make connections with? Who do I value? Like what friendships, whether they're colleagues or or other people in my real world that I really care about or that I want to care about that I want to invest my time with. And so I started to say yes to, 
you know, the colleagues in the, my online world that I value and that I, I, that I know, and I want to help. And I started to say yes, only to the things that I found enjoyable in my, in my day-to-day life. And so I cut a lot of the fat out. What fat can you cut out of your life? What things are you doing? Because you don't want to disappoint someone else, but you don't enjoy it. It doesn't charge you, doesn't recharge you. And it's kind of a burden. So we want to look at that kind of stuff. Okay, we did thoughts. We're doing actions. Let's talk about people who drains you. We talk a lot about this in my self-care series that's currently going on. I, I make parents, I don't make parents, but I walk you through who's drowning you, who's draining you, who's not charging you. You might not want to look at that because it might be people that you love, but are depleting you. And so setting those boundaries will be really important. We're going to talk about that in the next part of this podcast episode, which is what to do about all this stuff. Okay, good. Right now I'm just outlining the things that could be adding to your parental burnout. We often think that parental burnout is just purely our kids. And I'm going to get to that because of course it is, but it's all these other things as well. You know, you ever see those like waiters who are, I don't know, like the cartoonish image of plates going on top and they're carrying all these plates. And, and then all of a sudden you add one more plate to the top and it's starting to wave and get imbalanced and it's about to fall over. That is kind of like life. You know, our kids are part of those plates, but all these other things that are ancillary and easier actually to work on are part of that stack of plates. And if we can remove some of the things that we actually can control, then we can have a little bit more stability in that stack of plates. It's not going to waver as much. So check out your people. Who are you around all the time? Okay, moving on from that, what about your schedule? So this isn't actions as far as your, your yes, I could do that. Yes, I could do that. Yes, I could do that. This is your regular schedule. Does it need tweaking? Are your kids involved in too many things? Maybe they don't want to be involved in things. I know for us, we are very, maybe I should say I am very picky about what goes on our daily routine. And part of that is because I know my kids have a layer of stress that other kids don't have. They're dealing with anxiety and OCD. And so for them to do a seven or eight hour school day, is a lot more exhausting than the average kit because they're having to hold it together for a lot of other factors than just, you know, sitting there being bored at school. And so we don't do a lot of extracurricular activities. You know, my kids, I'm not shuttling my kids to this practice and then that practice and then this practice because we've tried that and it's never worked out. It's been exhausting for them. It's been exhausting for me. So look at the demands that you have on your schedule and see if you can cut the fat on that. You know, what things are you doing just because it seems like the right thing to do? Because everybody else in the neighborhood is doing it. Maybe I need to as well. Or maybe you are doing a lot more stuff that you don't need to be doing. Maybe you can go grocery shopping once a week instead of a little bit each day. Or maybe you can cut out, you know, those coffee visits that don't bring you any joy with, this kind of goes back to saying yes to people, but it's part of your schedule, right? I know I cut back my schedule drastically when my husband died and I loved the space. I didn't realize I needed more space in my day to do nothing. I needed space in between activities because my brain wasn't functioning and I was really like in mental ICU. But now as I, you know, it's been a year and I'm, my brain is firing better. 
kind of. I like the space. I prefer the space when I see that my schedule is filled up during the day. I don't like that. And so um, you might want to look at that and see what demands on your schedule you can remove. The next one is your responsibilities. So you might be like, gosh, Natasha hasn't talked at all about my child. Well, I think that one's obvious. And we're going to get to that in the what to do part of parental burnout. But a lot of what has to do with your child, we can't control. And I'm going to talk to you about the things that you can control in a minute. But I'm wanting you to focus on the things that you're not thinking about. We don't think about these other areas. And these are the areas, these are the plates that I can easily take off of my stack without having to deal with someone else, right? We don't get to control our child's journey. They're the ones with the foot on the gas or the brake. But these are things that I can do. I can say no to more people. I can change my routine. I can change my thoughts. I can look at how much am I doing in the house? So that's another one is, am I doing it all? And I mean, unfortunately for me, like the answer is yes. And you're going to have to continue. For my kids with anxiety and OCD, getting them to really pitch in, in the chores and responsibility of the house on a day-to-day basis is more of a headache than I want. And I know that sounds horrible. And you do you, I'll do me. <laughs> I respect everybody's decision to be themselves. I, I really don't like those people who are like parenting experts and they tell you what to do. That just rubs me the wrong way because I feel like we all are like individual and what works for you may not work for me. What works for me may not work for you. So when parents ask me like general parenting advice, I always am like, hey, you do you, like whatever works for you. You know, I think we have a lot of shoulds in the the parenting, blogging and podcasting world. And I think it's, I think it just makes us all feel really bad. So having said that, yeah, I don't want to get into having to like make my kids like do the dishes every day. It's just not worth it because they're already stressed. And then it's like me nagging. So I pick my battles. I nag them for certain things. When you turn 12 in my house, you have to start doing your own laundry. That's just one of those battles that I do pick because it's a life skill. And so it's worth the hassle. And normally I'm nagging them once a week because now I have two kids over 12, which is very exciting. And so I'm only doing laundry for me and for my 10-year-old and like the towels and stuff. But there's other things that I'm not going to nag them about. But you might want to say, what things am I doing that other people can pitch in? And maybe my partner, I don't have that benefit, but maybe you have a partner that they can like, maybe they can't handle your child's anxiety and OCD, because I do see that as a theme that one partner tends to do better in that area, but feels resentful that they're the ones having to brunt all of the anxiety and OCD stuff. And I bet that's you because you're the one listening to this podcast. (laughs) So if you have a partner who's not helping you with that, it doesn't mean that you have to try to get them to help you with that because sometimes they actually do more harm than good, right? It's frustrating. They like trigger our kids or they say the wrong things. And you're like, oh my gosh, can you just listen to this one podcast episode? (laughs) But maybe you can say, If I'm going to be, maybe that's the wrong beginning of a sentence. (laughs) That's going to cause a fight. Let me reframe how I'm going to say this. I am okay handling the kids. I know that, you know, I know what to do and I know how to do it and it's okay. But I would really love it if you can help me reduce my stress by making dinner like every Tuesday and Thursday or doing the laundry, blah, blah, blah days, or it'll be different for each one of you. But maybe if you have a partner, getting them to take 
some of the demands and burden away from you can be helpful. Maybe you don't like to ask for help, but your mom is in town and she could pick the kids up a couple of times a week or whatever. Maybe you're not tapping into your resources as much as you can. I know for me, I've tapped into them. I don't have a lot of resources, but I feel like a lot of people have layers of support that they don't even use and they don't want to ask, but people would be more than happy to help. So that's another area. And the last one I just want to highlight really quick before we get into like what to do about all this is feeling isolated. So a lot of times we feel really isolated with the anxiety and OCD. And so we get burnt out sooner because we don't have anyone to go to, to be like, can you believe, you know, in their 504 meeting, they didn't give my child this accommodation. Or can you believe, you know, that my child actually was able to sleep on their own tonight. It was so exciting. Like you want someone who's like, woohoo, that's amazing. And so when we can't vent and we can't celebrate because the people around us don't get it, that can actually add to parental burnout. So that's another area to look at. Do I have people? And if I don't have my people, can I find them online? And you know, I got your back on that one because that's all I do is connect parents to resources and people. And so we had the AT Parenting Community where you will be surrounded by over a thousand parents who are in the very similar boat to you. We are actually opening up the AT Parenting Community pretty soon. So if you're not on the wait list or if you want to know more about it, you can go to atparentingcommunity.com. The doors are going to open up in a couple of weeks. We don't normally open it up this soon. I normally open it up every three months, but Ayla, my AT Parenting Community Manager, who is literally my right hand and does everything non-clinical for me is having a baby, which is very exciting for her. And I'm happy for her, but she's going to be out of commission. She doesn't realize it. She thinks she's going to not be out of commission for that long, but she will be for most of March. And so we normally open it up in March because I open it up every three months, but we're going to open it up a little bit sooner. And then there'll be a larger gap between February and when we open it up again. So if you've been wanting to join, definitely want to join now because it will be closed for a longer period of time due to that. So sorry about the tangent, but just wanted to keep you updated about that because that's an amazing community, a global community, I should add. All right. So what do you do about all this? The number one is your kids. And so I'm going to start there. Even though I didn't even list that as one of your plates, I am going to start there because I know that that's what we all want to hear. How do we not get burnt out? around our kids. And really the best answer is, well, actually there's two things. One, we're going to talk about clearing those other plates and I'll talk about how to do that. But the other part is getting micro. And so you really need to hone in on what goal you're working on and get tunnel vision. And I know I've said that a lot to you. I say it a lot to myself. There were times in this past year where I would just wake up having an anxiety attack. Like I'd just be so overwhelmed with how many balls I was juggling and the loss of a person who juggled it with me and all my what ifs. And I would just, I would just feel a shot of cortisol and adrenaline. And I would just feel like clammy and I would couldn't catch my breath. And I was, I can't do this. I can't go on. And I would just think, Natasha, what do you need to do today? What do you need to do today? I've never had such overwhelm that I've had to really use the tools that I teach in such a desperate way. And I would say, okay, I need to get, 
I need to get my pants on. Like literally, that's what I would have to say. Okay, you have to you have to go brush your teeth. Okay, I'll go brush my teeth. And then I'll just think about what I have to do after that. Okay, I brushed my teeth. What do I need to do? Okay, Natasha, you have to go wake your kids up. They have to go to school today. Okay, okay, I'll go wake up my kids. I couldn't think past the next task. Like my brain was on hiatus. And you might be feeling that way for different reasons. But when your brain is on hiatus, I just had to bring it in, bring it in really tight. And then I'd wake them up and then I'd be like, what do I need to be doing? Okay, I need to go get them breakfast. So when I say tunnel vision, depending on where you're at, it might be to that level. And then as I got better, I got tunnel vision still about their anxiety and OCD. Okay, what do I need to be doing today? What am I working on today? And I'll talk about today, literally today. Okay, today, day before the anniversary of my husband's death, feeling a little overwhelmed, you know, sad, feeling still like recovering from being sick. What do I need to do today? Well, my son has to do his exposures. And so I have set an alarm on my phone to go off in the evening where there's enough time before bedtime that if he hasn't done his exposures, I'll remind him. I literally set reminders for everything. I have a reminder to take the trash out. I have a reminder to pay the bills. I have a remind I have a reminder for everything because when you're burnt out, you can't depend on your brain. And then I have more space because I don't have to worry about the exposure. I don't have to hold on to that all day. I have more space because I know my alarm is going to go off. And so I know today that he needs to do an exposure and he'll do that. And then I I need to make this podcast and I just need to show up for my kids. That's it. So what do you need to do today? What are you working on today? Don't look at the big picture. Like, oh my gosh, okay, I need to get my child to be able to go to school. No, that's not a today thing. Well, I need to get my child to sleep in their own bed. That's not a today thing. What is your micro, tiny little goal today? Well, I need to get my child to, you know, not have contamination OCD. They need to be able to, you know, get out of the house or touch things or hug me or no, that's not a today goal. What is your today goal? Okay. Get tunnel vision. That does help. Trust me. Because then once I say to myself, okay, all I have to do today is get my son to do his exposure. And I'm going to talk to you about how I do that because that won't even involve me ideally. And I just need to make dinner. All right. Well, now today doesn't seem that overwhelming. (laughs) Your day might be busier. My day is actually today because I hadn't been feeling well. I cleared a lot of my schedule. So today's actually a pretty good day. I get to talk to you. That's about it. Okay. The other thing I want to say around preventing parental fatigue or parental burnout is, you know, when you have a framework of how you handle anxiety and OCD, it really does help the future you. I often think about this. Uh, This is maybe weird, maybe not, but I think I want to help future Natasha. And, and this is a really good way to teach your kids too about procrastination. And I've, I've talked to my kids about this too. I've actually talked to a lot of the kids I've worked with in my practice about this too. I'll say, be nice to your future self. And so I want to help future Natasha. So I want to have a framework in my house that handles anxiety and OCD. So we are at a plug and play situation. So I'm going to do a lot of heavy lifting on the front end so that I have 
language in my house of how do we speak about anxiety and OCD. I have educated my kids so that they can pick up new themes without me having to always be so hyper vigilant. And we are going to have a method of how we do exposures and a behavior modification plan, i.e., a reward system in place so that when I see something popping up, it's just plug and play. So I'm just going to briefly explain this. This might be a really good podcast to do to go more in depth. And I do talk about this in detail in my free series, not the one I'm doing right now, but in the survival tools for parents raising kids with anxiety and OCD. Maybe some of you have taken that free series. But in that series, I talk about creating a therapeutic home environment. And that sounds fancy, but really it's just creating an environment where when anxiety and OCD pop up, as it will, you don't have to exert as much energy because you already have things kind of laid out. So you may not want to be hearing this right now. If you're already burnt out, you might be like, oh my gosh, kill me now, Natasha. Last thing I want to do is do work. But once you get your groove back, you might want to think about doing this. And I'm going to tell you how it works and, and why it works. I'm going to give you an example with my son. And so he had been doing pretty well with his eating A big part of it, though, I feel like is he's on medication that increases his appetite and makes him insatiably hungry. And so that's kind of trumped his OCD. And so he's eating more and he's willing to kind of work through things. But well, I'm going to give you two examples. So if you listen to my episode last week, I talked about how I talked about learning issues with anxiety and OCD and how sometimes it can be anxiety and OCD in disguise and it can look like a learning disability, a learning issue. And he just all of a sudden, well, I don't want to say all of a sudden, for a long time, he's been crying, like whining that he can't read, that he doesn't, he can't read, he can't focus. And I thought maybe he has ADHD or some inattentive issues. It came to a head and I don't want to get into it because I already talked all about it last episode. Go back and listen to that one if you want. And that was episode 247. For those of you that are looking at the numbers, You can always go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com. Go down to the bottom and there's a search button. And if I ever am talking about a podcast episode and I don't tell you the name of it, you can just always search that topic. If you type in learning at the bottom of my website, that episode will pop up. So all my episodes are on my website as well as wherever you're listening to it. So anyway, we already have a framework of how we handle OCD. And so all I had to say to him once we identified that it was OCD, and that's a whole long story that you can listen to from last week. But once we identified that, oh my gosh, okay, this is squishy, his OCD. See, we already have a name for it. So we have language, we have a name, we already have a method of how we talk about it. So we had to just say, squishy's come back. He's trying to take the thing that you love, which is being smart, right? And part of being smart is being able to read. And so Squishy's trying to like take something that you value away. He already had foundations on understanding this because he understands OCD. And then we just said, what exposures do you want to do? And so we came up with some exposures. And because we already know how to do exposures, we already talked about exposures. We've already used that as part of our system. The framework is there. And then I said to him, okay, how often do you want to do it? What, what, reward do you want to get? And because I already have a reward system in place, I already use privilege points, which is an app that gives him points. 
I do have a whole episode on rewards. I'm actually going to do you a favor and I'm going to look up what episode it is. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm going down to my search button on atparentingsurvival.com and I'm typing in rewards. That's how I find my own podcast. So you can do that too. Okay. Episode 123, developing good incentives to get kids to work on anxiety or OCD. So if you want to know more about rewards, check that out. I do talk about privilege points in that episode, but we already have that set up. He already has a menu of prizes. All I had to do was add reading as one of his incentives, and then we were already done. And then I just set an alarm for how often I wanted to remind him to do an exposure, and that was it. So I didn't have to do a lot of heavy lifting on that. And that, I can't remember what day that happened. I think maybe a week ago. So he's been doing two exposures a day with his reading and he's already not having that issue anymore. And this has been an issue that he's had problems with for literally probably two years. And within five days, I would say it is 90% gone. Crazy. I still get incredibly wowed by ERP. Exposure with response prevention. If you don't know that, go ahead and Google it. Or actually, better yet, go to my website, go to the search button and type ERP and you'll learn more. But I mean, like, I am just awed. And it's what I do, it's what I teach. But when it happens to you personally and you're like, holy cow, that just got rid of a problem that's been going on for two years because I didn't notice it and I didn't recognize it. That's a whole nother thing, right? We can go back to my thoughts and be like, that's the past. This is the present. Is it going to help me to beat up myself and say, oh my gosh, you're an OCD therapist. How could you not have explored that further? It looked like a reading issue. I thought he wasn't serious. (laughs) I don't know, but it doesn't matter because today he's doing better. And today we're going to do another exposure. He's actually wanting to go farther than I want him to go. He's wanting to add distractions. He's wanting to black out some of the words as he's reading it. These were ideas that I threw at him when we first started. I want him to just sit and revel in reading and love reading before I add more layers to it. But holy cow, that's an improvement. Now, that wasn't exhausting for me. Even though this week is really exhausting, that was not exhausting because we already have a framework. And so when you get your groove back, you know, learn about how to develop a framework. And you can do that by listening to this podcast, reading, I think, like talking back, to talking back to OCD by John March is a really good go-to on developing a framework. And of course, I have an entire OCD course that and an anxiety course that outline a framework of how you should tackle every single anxiety or OCD theme. And not each one individually, but what is the foundational framework that I'm going to use no matter what fear or OCD theme pops up. When you have that, you're good to go. I mean, it's not fun, but you're good to go. So you can check out my classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com when you're not burnt out and when you want to be proactive at heavy lifting on the front end, not too heavy. All my classes are under three hours and they're video. So I don't think they're too labor intensive. I mean, by the time you could watch a movie, you could have your foundational framework, like totally understood. And I give you worksheets and things to you know, print off if you're one of those kind of people who want like tools and you're ready to go. You'll be ready to go after the first video. You'll already have tools. So you can check that out because I am going to help you with that if you want the help. But what else to do? So besides the big plate, which is the plate that we don't get to take off, 
We can tweak the plate by having a good framework, but we don't get to take that off of our stack. But there are other things you can clear out, right? So clear what you need to do, clear your schedule, clear your to-dos, practice the word no in the mirror. That's helpful. Set boundaries around people that are draining you. So if you love your mom, but she just doesn't get what you're going through. And every time you talk to her, you want to, you know, hide in your bed for the next four hours. Then maybe you kind of, you know, silence your phone and you text her instead of call her, or you limit going out with her for a couple of weeks until you get your group back. I don't know why I keep saying that. That's really weird. (laughs) But set some boundaries around people. That's necessary. Be conscious and intentional with what you do, how you do it, and who you do it with. You need to do that in order to preserve your energy. It's a finite commodity. I keep saying that. The next one is really, and I've already said this, but I'm going to just highlight it again. Get very focused on just your today goal. What is your today goal? And you're not going to be able to pull back all your accommodations. We talk a lot about that in my classes in one, in one fail swoop. You're not going to be able to get rid of your child's, all of their compulsive behavior in one fail swoop. In fact, you're not going to be able to get rid of any of them. They have to do it. And so you just have to say, what is my job for today? Maybe my job is just to improve communication today. Maybe my job is just to show up and try to listen to my kids as they talk. Or maybe my job is just to remind them to do an exposure, right? That's what, that's my job. My kids were really anxious about going back to school today. And so my daughter who loves school, but has a history of school anxiety and school refusal. And my son who just absolutely hates school and was not excited about going back today and, you know, took a lot of coercing to get him to go to school. My job today is to just sit there and be empathetic and listen to how their day went, right? That's my job. So I don't have a lot. We don't normally have a lot when you break it down to a day. What do I want to focus on today? And not what do I want my child to focus on today? Because you don't get to choose that. You can choose how you show up and what things you want to coach and they get to choose how they want to show up and what they're going to do. So we only are 50% of that uh, dynamic. And so we only focus on that. Not what do I want my child to do today? What do I want to coach my child to do? Or how do I want to support my child? And that's it. And that's it. And take it one day at a time. And so that can help. And the last one is don't forget to connect with others. You know, if you need to find your people, I'll help you with that. You know, I have uh, the AT Parenting Community. And people say, what does AT stand for? And I really wish that I had never... It's a long story, but I started off as anxious toddlers. I wrote a book in 2015 called How to Parent Your Anxious Toddler. And that actually was the thing that got me into this whole world because the publisher wanted me to, you know, all pu- I got a form email, <laughs> which I took seriously that said, you should have a platform. And here I am six years later with a very big platform. And I don't really focus on anxious toddlers anymore. I just like, you know, very shortly after that, I loved talking about all ages and I love talking about teenagers and I love talking about OCD and I love talking about even young adults. And so I had to change my name. And so I went to anxious toddlers to teens and I thought, no, I talk a lot about OCD and that was still confusing. So I just, because I'd been anxious toddlers for so long, I just couldn't get rid of it. So I abbreviated it to AT. So that was probably more than you ever wanted to know about that. (laughs) But 
I do offer a lot of free resources, but I also spend all of my time now in the AT Parenting community. I left my practice in February, for those of you that don't follow me too closely, after my husband suddenly died. And I have committed, I've doubled down and committed all of my time now to the AT Parenting community. And so that is a tight knit community of parents who are incredibly educated. And um, we actually did this thing this past week where we had a thread in our member only Facebook group. So I do have a public Facebook group that's very large, but I am not in there. It's a service that I provide for parents to meet with other parents, but I'm not in there. But I am in the AT Parenting community. They actually get my ear in a very intimate way because we have a member only website. And there's forums in there and parents can go in there, which is off of Facebook, and they can ask me their questions and I I will support them on a daily basis. They'll get input from me. They'll tell me they tried something and then I'll come back and I'll I'll tell them to try this or we'll brainstorm together. And we actually even do a Zoom support group phone call once a month where I actually get to meet them virtually and see them and talk to them and they all support each other. And I get to meet their kids because we do a support group once a month for their kids. And that's a great community. So, you know, find your people and whether you go into my large Facebook group, you can do that, or you want more intimate ongoing support. Uh, Everybody started to list. I, I forgot what I was talking about, but everyone started to list on their thread what areas they bring to the community because it's a community, right? So even though I go in there and I teach once a week on a topic that they pick and we do our once a month support group calls, there's so much that they give to each other. And so we started this thread and everyone started to say their expertises. And we have people in there who are like experts in everything. There were like people who I didn't, you know, their professions were amazing, you know. And so people who were like, oh, I'm a specialist in mindfulness, I'm a specialist in ADHD, and I'm a special, I'm a neurologist, I'm a dietitian. I am we had all of these, like when you have over a thousand parents and all these other specialties and expertise. And some of the parents have just have been raising a child with anxiety and OCD for so long. They are experts in the school system or they're experts in learning issues. Anyway, it was a very cool thread because it it made me feel like what an amazing community. So find your people wherever it may be. It doesn't have to be my community, but find your people that get you. And now that we're globally connected and even more so I feel like in the last two years, because you know, those people that were holding out on Zoom and virtual connections have had to embrace it. It's been a gift to the anxiety and OCD community because we have people in my community from Australia and Hong Kong and Egypt and Spain and Ireland and the UK and Canada and France. And I mean, I think we actually have probably someone from almost every country, large country. And we have someone from literally every state. One time I did that, I went through and I was like, every single state, we have somebody from every single state, which is pretty cool because then you got your support. So find your people, go on Facebook or, you know, the local is the way to go. Create a meetup. You know, you can go to meetup, I think meetup.com and create a meetup for families who have anxiety or OCD or better yet, you know, don't recreate the wheel, go to the International OCD Foundation and see if there is a chapter in your area. Sometimes There are really active chapters that do things a lot. And you can go to iocdf.org and see what's in your area. If you're interested in my community, you can always go to atparentingcommunity.com. Get on the wait list because like I said, we're going to be opening it in 
we're actually opening it February 14th, which is really cool because it's Valentine's Day and I feel like it's about love and support. So I love that. If you want to partake in my free series, that is free. My AT Parenting Community is a membership. So it is a, it's like a copay a month, which a lot of parents will swear is like ridiculous because of the amount of support you get for a copay a month. But take advantage of my free series. I am here to support you. If you found this episode helpful, we dive deep on this topic. And by the end of the series, you'll be like, have a, a real new plan on how to stay charged up and how to read those early signs that you are starting to get burnt out. And so to participate in the free series, you can go to atparentingsurvivalseries.com. I'll leave links for all of this in the show notes. And I look forward to seeing you in one of those areas. All right. I do want to say if you are finding my podcast helpful, I almost forgot to do this. Please don't forget to go and hit a star wherever you consume your podcast. If you have a few extra seconds and want to write a review, you know, I greatly appreciate that. I haven't had a lot to read lately, so it's nice to give back if you want to say something that's helping other people. When I do have them, I always like to read one to show my gratitude. And I do have one. So I do want to say thank you to C. George or C-G-E-O-R. They wrote, so grateful. I'm so incredibly grateful for Natasha's wisdom and guidance. Parenting children with OCD is the hardest thing I've ever done and very isolating. Listening to Natasha helps me feel less alone. And I'm so glad for that because there is no reason at all anyone should feel alone in this because there are so many of us out there doing the same things, showing up the same way every day, facing the same struggles, and we can get each other's backs. So thank you so much for taking the time to write a review. And maybe if you write one, I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. I'll talk to you again next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 